You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. everybody, welcome back. I am your host for this episode, Dr. Mike Brazier, and we're on location down here in Louisiana, North Louisiana. I think the town is Delhi. At least I think that's what we've concluded. The locals pronounce it. And we're here on a uh, an opportunity to visit with some of our great partners, Winchester Ammunition. Uh, Winchester Ammo is the, is the official ammo of Ducks Unlimited, proud partner, and happy to have them on board with all of our conservation efforts. And we had an opportunity to visit with them this week. We've got a few folks here around the table. And we're going to have just a casual conversation about some of the things that we've been doing this week. We're going to talk about some of the new products from Winchester, uh, talk about some ammo. And then one of the great things about being with folks for a couple of days is you have a lot of fun stories, have a lot of fun interactions. So we're going to touch on some of those. But first, I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. I'll just go right here. Yeah, so I'm uh, Will Brantley. I am a freelance outdoor writer, was formerly a Ducks Unlimited employee uh, once upon a time, and uh, worked on the magazine staff. Still do a little freelance writing for DU Magazine from time to time, and uh, a lot of waterfowl writing elsewhere, and yeah, I do a lot of the freelance work covering a lot of other topics, but uh, big duck hunter, been a duck hunter 
all since I was in high school and uh, actually kind of have some ties to this area, Northeast Louisiana. I'm from Western Kentucky, um, but uh, years ago, whenever I did work for DU, <clears throat> my wife and I lived in Memphis. We had some really good friends who uh, lived in West Monroe, and we had a had a, a pit lease just down the road here in Tallulah, Louisiana, and uh, we used to come down here just about every weekend before my wife and I had uh, had kids, so we, our, our schedules were a little freer to make that drive every weekend, but we came down here and spent a lot of time hunting down here, spent several Christmases down here, actually, so it was the first time I've been back here in uh, in this part of Louisiana duck hunting in quite a few years, and we, we've had a good week. Well, it's great to be uh, to, to be here with you. I, I know your name from some of the work that you used to do with DU. First time we've had an opportunity to meet. And, and anytime you can meet someone for the first time and do it uh, over some decoys and a duck blind and uh, shooting a few birds, it's, that makes it even more special. So thanks for thanks for being here. And it was great to, great to learn a little bit more about you. So we'll talk more about that here as we get into the episode. And here I'll, I'll go with Jake. Yeah, Jake Wallace on the marketing team uh, for Winchester Ammunition. And uh, the one coming down here to, to run the camp this week and um, just been awesome to come down here and uh, really get to use some of our, our new products and just get to foster our relationship. Um, you know, ours with DU is is one that we're proud of and um, displaying that duck head on our box is something that, that we uh, we love and, and just building the relationship every chance we get. And Jake, you've been on the Ducks Unlimited pad- podcast uh at least um, a few times, or is it? I know you were on recently with Chris Jennings. Had you been on prior to that? I don't believe so. So I'm a I'm a two timer now. Okay. Hopefully we can uh, get that number up, man. No. I don't think there's any jacket that comes along with the uh, you know two timer, five timer, anything like that. But uh, we can work on that. That's not what Chris told me last time <laughs> I was on here. He said there was a jacket, maybe a hat. Well, notice that Chris is not here. That's I, I probably why, why he said That's that. That's why he so. turned down the invitation, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we certainly appreciate you hosting us uh, here. And uh, I think we've got maybe another day. We'll figure out what the plan is for tomorrow. But uh, we'll reflect back on kind of our, our great experiences here this morning and then yesterday morning. So um, great to meet you, be with you on, on this uh, at this place. And so we'll talk more here in a minute. And then right here across from me. Well, Mallory. howdy, folks. It's uh, Mallory Murphy, D social media specialist and digital content editor. And uh, yeah, I showed up to the party this week. It's always nice to come hang out with Winchester. We've been teasing, getting me on a hunt for the past few years, and it finally happened. So I came on across the Mississippi from North Mississippi. It's great to be down in the great state of Louisiana. So, And Will, it's great to see you again. We shared a blind many moons ago when I first started here. So yeah, it's good to yeah, see you again. Yeah, for sure. I think we hunted together in Ballard County, Kentucky. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So killed more ducks this week than we did that week. So. Oh, yeah. But always good to see you. <laughs> uh, Mallory, I think you've been on an episode or two, maybe at the very beginning. Yeah, I pop in every now and then. Yeah. I'm, I'm lurking in the shadows, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, D's jack of all trades. Yeah. So it's always nice to hop on the D podcast and say to everybody. I do want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit more because you're you're one of the people within Ducks Unlimited that does a lot of work and that interacts with a lot of the a lot of our members, a lot of our the people that followed DU on our social media channels. You're you're one of the people, one of the many people that contribute to the content that that people find on all of our social media platforms. But You've been with DU, actually, what did we learn earlier this morning? How long have you been with DU? Yeah, actually, today is my five-year anniversary at DU, so 
Well, Five years to me, yeah. Five year anniversary, and and you and I get to work together a, a fair bit. And you're also from Mississippi, and so you grew up. I was learning a few things about you this morning. You grew up hunting. Uh, tell us about that. When did you first get into hunting? And duck hunting wasn't your first love, right? No, it was not. Uh, I started hunting around seven or eight years old. Uh, my family always leased out our duck hunting. So I really, really, really got into deer hunting, squirrel hunting with my dad. And I really didn't start duck hunting until I got into high school, going with friends. You know how you know how it is with girls. You go with your boyfriends and it kind of catches on a little bit. Yeah, so that's how I started out. Yeah, and, and so you made your way to duck hunting along, along the way yep. and you've been, uh, you've been familiar with Ducks Unlimited, our banquet system, the yep. conservation work that we do for a long period of time. But then you made your way to, I guess I have to say the name of the school, Ole Miss. You made your way yes. to Ole Miss. And Hotty so, toddy. So talk about your, uh, what kind of degree do you have? Like a lot of people think of, of Ducks Unlimited, at least from our conservation standpoint, I think they think about biologists and people that have right. those kind of degrees. But there are a lot of different educational backgrounds and skills required to run our organization to do all the things that we do. And so talk about yours and some of the other people in the communications department. What kind of degrees do y'all have? Do you bring to oh, the yeah. organization? I think um, people always say, how, do you, how did you end up getting a print journalism degree? But then you started working in social media. And I think that to do something like social media or anything in communications, really, I think you should step out of like the normal marketing degree, advertising degree, really, really, really deep dive into what you want to do. I knew I always wanted to do something in, in the hunting industry. So I was like, maybe I should go do marketing, you know, start working for one of these great companies, maybe Winchester, you never know. So um started doing that. And then I realized that I do not like sitting in business class. I don't know why I have to take accounting. I don't know why I have to do, take economics to uh, sell a product. So um, I've always loved stories and telling stories and reading books and deep diving into anything. Uh, I know if anybody knows anything about me, I'm a big history buff. So I'm, I'm always, I'm a very, very, very curious being. So I was like, I'll just, uh, why don't I just write about the adventures that I go on and the things that I love to do. So I ended up getting a print journalism degree. I specialized in magazine service. Um, I actually worked in a hunting store in Oxford for about two years after I graduated college. And then um, D Magazine had an opening for a digital content editor. And I was like, well, I don't really like digital. I'm more of a print person. But yeah, you know, I might can do it. <laughs> then I ended up interviewing. And Matt Young is our editorial director of the magazine. So uh, started talking to him more about everything. And we ended up having some of the exact same professors. I went through the exact same magazine program that he did. And then started working for D. Luckily got the job. Actually, this is a funny story out got the job offer from Matt Young while I was driving a tractor. So I almost no ran way. the tractor off the road because I was, <laughs> I was bumming around helping dad and them. So, uh, so that's, that was a pretty fun time right there. So you were excited whenever you got the job I offer. I was really excited. <laughs> it was around October um, is when I interviewed. Hadn't heard anything back for a while. And then he called me, uh, I think it was mid-November. And I was like, he was like, you can start as soon as you can. And I was like, man. Um, well, I'm from around Quitman County, so uh, the rut was just about to start. I knew I was getting ready for deer hunting. I was like, um, I, I was like, I, I need to tie up some loose ends. You know, I just need to finish a few things out. Um, can I start maybe mid December? I just got, I just got a lot I have to do. 
to just get ready for it. And Matt was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to hunt the rope before I actually started and working. Does Matt so. know that story? I think he figured it out. I think he figured it out. I might have told him in passing. It's been a, been a while. But, well, uh, I'll make sure. But that was a fun story to tell. Yeah, I'll make sure that he uh, he listens to this episode. I say, yeah. Might learn a few yeah. things. So. And so, so Jake, I, I'm looking here at the three of us, Will, Mallory, Jake, and I'm sort of the odd person out, at least in terms of, which is the really weird thing that I'm also the co-host or the host of this of this communication platform here on this episode. Y'all are the communication experts. I'm not. I'm like the, the trained scientist, went to school to learn about duck ecology and conservation. And so it's really weird to be the person asking the question to the people that are trained for this area, right? So, uh, but Jake, you and and Mallory, I guess, have worked together a little bit on some of the social media content and maybe some of our marketing and advertising. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, one thing I will say is I encourage people to go listen to the earlier episode with you. We talked a lot on that episode about about your personal story. And so we don't necessarily have to cover all of that. It's a fascinating story. You were a competitive shooter, still are. To I don't know if you still actively compete, do you? Yeah, no, I still actively compete. Um, so we're taking a little bit of a break. My wife and I just had a, our first baby a little over a year ago. So it took a little break from that to focus on shooting, but or focus off of shooting onto the kid. But, you know, it's a, it's a cool way and how I got into Winchester. But, you know, we've worked, Mallory and I, in passing, where we at DUX or Ducks, I think is what you called yeah, it. Yeah, DUX. DUX. Kind of in a, a little chaotic capacity there. Where we, and I we totally rubbed, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, where we, we, rub, <laughs> we rub shoulders. Um, but, you know, where my my role really comes in is I, I help our digital team with a lot of their content. So what I do is I have my hands make sure our content's consistent and we have the right brand messaging uh, and consistency across all of our content and all of our platforms, whether that's TV, social, print advertising. So, you know, in that, in that same vein, you know, we try to try to really coordinate those things and we, you know, push some stuff over to DU when we, when we have some things come out. Um, we had a great piece that you guys helped us with um, on Winchester Life, our TV show. Um, we did a DU profile and just, you know, things like that, being a good partner, giving you guys content. You guys give us a lot of content on stuff like this. So that's really, you know, relationships are invaluable in our line of work. And, you know, we, we try to foster that every chance we get. And so from the relationship standpoint, Ducks Unlimited is far from the only entity in this space that you work with. Like how many, when you think about all the people that you work with and all the different relationships you have to, you, you have to, to pay attention to, that you want to pay attention to, that you, you begin to develop friendships through, like how many different entities do you work with ballpark? Man, entities is tough because it's, you know, we have 50... 50 plus people on team Winchester. And that could be everything from, um, you know, world-class competitive shooters to social media content creators. Um, really the, the best people in their respective fields within our industry and end use. And then you have organizations on top of that, you know, DU being one of them that are long, long tenured relationships to say the least, but man, it's hard to put a number on it. And, and our brand is so highly requested that, you know, we, we really try to never say no to people within reason uh, to keep that horse and rider at the top of people's mind. And let's see, I guess where I want to, 
I don't know a whole lot about, like I said, this communication space and the, the, the advertising and marketing. What does an average day look like for you? And it, does it vary throughout? I guess it does, depending on what time of the year it is, right? Uh, I think I think all the times of year are busy. Um, if you start off, you know, we, we have shot really early January coming out of hunting season. So we're corralling all the things for that. Um, then you go from, from that shortly after into, into turkey season where you put a big um, emphasis on, you know, long beard being the king of spring and, and getting out there and, and fostering relationships with some of those conservation groups that are, that are in that space. And then right after that, we go into shooting season, you know, and we are the leader in the shooting sports, whether that's um, pistol shooting, clay target shooting. Um, we just acquired white flyer targets. So that adds another level that adds another dynamic to our, to our business for sure. And then right after that, we're in hunting season and nobody's in the office and we're all out building relationships, gathering content, um, trying to do the best we can to, you know, get our end consumers and our end users, the best products out there on the shelf so they can go be successful, whether that is on, on the range, in the field, in whatever aspect they choose to use our stuff in. So Mallory, uh, there's a little bit of a story that that we kind of encountered this week. I want to ask you about sort of the the way you interact with our partners using sort of Winchester as an example in this story. I was so I I do a little bit of social media here and and there, and I try to be the good partner and you know play a little bit of a role in in this for Ducks Unlimited. And so we we we're going to talk about some snipe hunting a little bit later on. Legitimate snipe hunting, not the one where we hold the bag <laughs> and all that kind of yeah, stuff. They're, they're real folks. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I had a photo of three snipe that we um, that we we had shot yesterday, and I posted it on like an Instagram story, and I think I tagged Mallory, and I was sitting over in the uh, sitting in the chair and. and and Mallory's just, Mike, you tagged the wrong person, the wrong entity. And so there's all these like different accounts that are out oh, yeah. there that are, that are, uh, it's like the fake Winchester. Yeah. Account. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Mallory yep. called that. So talk about that. I mean, like from your, your perspective, Mallory, and working with Jake and, and others, yeah. like how, and I mean, that's what you pay attention to, right? That you play a role in helping, helping develop and foster those relationships from our perspective as well. Yeah. So um, in addition to being the social media specialist, being the person that when you are looking, probably looking at this post that's being po- uh, that's out right now, promoting this actual podcast episode, it's um, it's me behind that. So hello. <laughs> um, I've, I made sure that, that this wonderful post went out. I also do the... Um, digital content editor, um, any editorial piece of content that you read on our website. I've curated and built that webpage out of uh, some of our magazine articles, anything that we also freelance digitally. And I'm also a, uh, let's see, I like to coin myself as like an entry-level brand manager. I make sure that our partners are taken care of and uh, make sure everything's tagged correctly, uh, make sure our partners are represented in the correct manner uh, through DU. So, yeah, I'm sort of uh, the trained eye. Like I said earlier, I'm lurking in the shadows, in the background, busy making sure everybody's taken care of. And I can tell you that's a really intimidating thing, like for someone that that doesn't do a whole lot of social media. the it, It's intimidating to think, okay, I need to tag the right people to know who they are. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work that goes in here. I mean, you think social media, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of work, a lot of physical work, a lot of time, and a lot of mental kind of thought and creativity that goes into that, right? You have to really, really, really be good at time management, which I'm not. So uh, <laughs> my brain is automatically in a million different directions in the first place. So I think it is good for someone in a role like this 
to be able to have the flexibility to do a lot of different things. And I'm thankful for D that they let, they allow me to do that. But uh, like I said, working with uh, Winchester and working with partners, uh, social media is an awesome tool for our communications department, not only as a touch point to get to relate messages to our members, but also engage and communicate with our corporate partners. So Mallory, it's been great to have you here and appreciate all the work that you do on the post that, that people are going to be seeing, some short little videos and things of that yeah. nature. It's, uh, and I um, I see all the comments, yeah. know everything which I'll say, <laughs> even though someone doesn't respond. There, there is someone reading them, so don't worry. Yeah, um, that, yeah. is, that is true. I'm always watching. Uh, so, Jake, one of the things that we were here doing this week is trying out some is it new ammunition, new, new blends. Tell us about some of what we've got here. And then, Will, I want to come and talk to you about uh, a little bit of your your background, but then you have some unique perspective and you understand more of the ballistics on this type of stuff than I, than I do, but we'll get you to also talk about some of this, but Jake, some of the products that we were looking at this, this weekend. Yeah. I mean, really, we, uh, we kind of ran the gamut for waterfowl from Winchester. Um, we had everything out here from, um, expert, which is probably shot at or shot more ducks than, than most cartridges out there. Um, blindside two, uh, which is, um, you know, our, our next iteration from blindside, we did some things there in the manufacturing process to really make that fly well, respond better. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the, the wad we use in there right now, um, we changed it so that it is actually responsive out of all chokes. Um, you know, we, we saw some issues with that in the first iteration of blindside and we put the engineers to work to fix that. And then we have probably our newest or one of the newest things. I think we launched at the same time as blindside. Um, but that's bismuth and we shot, um, bismuth and 12, 20 and 28 and then we were running blindside to an expert in the 12 so um we we really had it all um and we used it all and and it was uh effective at, at just about everything so you know they're they're great products bismuth is obviously our premium uh and I, i'd put blindside two in that same vein um you know blindside two is more designed for decoying birds stuff that um you know are in your spread 25 to 35 yards which we had lots of those opportunities the last couple of days so it was great to see it all work. I I appreciate greatly the opportunity to to try some of these. I shot some of the twenty gauge bismuth last year. Thoroughly impressed. Uh, also have some um, twelve gauge one shot uh, bismuth, and it does a number on on the resident Canada geese. I can attest to that as well. Twenty eight gauge this week weekend was phenomenal. So much so that I'm now eyeing uh, a new gun. Just <laughs> That's so, right. So That's thank right. you. You were, thank you you were that. burning up, burning up the Google search awesome, on that one. That was an awesome little gun, a little twenty eight gauge, and a, just a fantastic cartridge to go along with it. You know. We are at a time in in the ammunition uh, industry where bismuth and some of the other non-toxics that that are much more effective from a lethality standpoint than than let's say steel are becoming more affordable or you know in a relative sense. What's driving that? You know, what, what's what's kind of going on with this uh, this explosion of of these high quality phenomenal uh, cartridges? You know, I think. You know, everything we do at Winchester, we set out to make the best, whether that is shot shells, centerfire rifle, centerfire pistol, rimfire, you know, and that doesn't stop with with a shot shell, right? You know, there's a lot of old technology in there, but there's a lot that you can do. And regarding bismuth, it has all the technology you can possibly fit into a shotgun shell. You know, so like with our 12-gauge and 20-gauge, that's everything from, you know, water-resistant primer. Um, the wad is our... It's our dry lock system. Um, and then we also have a buffer in there that it um, helps to 
lessen shot deformation as it travels down the barrel. Um, and it really just works for improved patterns at longer distances. Now, with any technology, uh, the better you get at it and the more manufacturing capabilities you acquire through um, the production process, it's able to drive down those those costs. Now, I don't think anybody, uh, especially our, our waterfowl community, would say that ammunition is incredibly affordable right now <laughs> just with, with the world we're living in. But, you know, that's something we're very conscious about whenever we design a new product. Um, you know, we know that our, you know, our, our consumers are our regular old average Joes. And we try really hard to cut those costs where we can to get them something that's affordable, um, whether that is bismuth blindside two or expert. So I think I referred to these as cartridges. Probably that's not, it's not a cartridge, right? Is it? Or what's yeah, the, we can roll is, with cartridge. Cartridge. Yeah, See, sure. I'm like a geek for wanting yeah, to get cartridges. The, the, the names, right. And all that shot kind of shell stuff. Cartridge. And so then I noticed yeah. you referred to it as shot shell about the time where I was thinking to myself, did I refer to that correctly? That's just the way I work. You're man. spot on. It's so, a, good, yeah, it's it's a, a shot, shot shell cartridge. If you can oh. use both of them, there you go. <laughs> but in the industry, when you hear cartridge, what do you think? It could be anything. I would I would ask, what do you mean? Do you uh, mean a rifle okay. cartridge, shot shell cartridge, okay. right. so fire totally cartridge? Well. Yeah, no, you're good. So, Will, we'll talk with you a little bit here. Uh, you are very well known in the outdoor and hunting uh, industry. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad uh, thing. <laughs> you, you've been on you've been on a few podcasts. You've not been on the DU podcast yet. I actually, have you? was just on the DU podcast here a few weeks ago oh, with you Jennings, were. and yeah, kind of. So is that one may not be out yet then? It, but by the time we're recording, I would no, think so. It was, it was the Kentucky episode, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. oh, I, I assume so. So it's yeah, out. is it out? Oh, okay. it's out? Yeah. Right. So, it, it was I really I, recent. I, I mean, in addition to posting so exposed, about the podcast, I've been, I've been I listened to the podcast. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but I mean, we did just record it. It was like two weeks ago. You could have covered for me. So, I've been exposed now that I didn't listen to that episode. I listened to most of them. I'm the the brand manager. I got this. Well, you saw Will Brantley on. You're like, I don't need to listen to that. Making sure the talents are side eyeing each other right now. Right, right, right. So, sorry. So, no, no, no worries. And so, no, I mean, I told a little bit of my backstory in that. And, you know, some of my background is is similar to Mallory's, just, uh, you know, a number of years earlier. Um, but uh, I was a print journalism major. And, uh, you know, I also grew up hunting and fishing in Western Kentucky. Now, I didn't grow up duck hunting. Um, you know, wasn't really in a in a waterfowling hotbed area. I was always kind of interested in it, but my dad was a big quail hunter. Now, I, I, I deer hunted, I turkey hunted, uh, big time squirrel. I hunted everything. Big time squirrel hunter. You don't yeah, hear that often. Yeah, so I, I'm still a big time squirrel hunter. There's another one sitting around trophy, the table. Tro- it's a trophy squirrel, squirrel trophy squirrel hunters. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. So every, every squirrel is a trophy, especially okay. if he's shot in the head. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, on on the wing shooting front, I mean, we, uh, you know, we went to dove shoots when we could, but, but like I say, my dad always kept bird dogs. He was a big quail hunter. And I, I like to kind of describe my my experiences hunting wild quail, hunting bobwhites. I'm, I'm just old enough to have seen the very end of wild quail hunting. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, when I was young, dad, the, the last two dogs that dad trained, I probably was... 14 when he got those dogs and he had a pointer and a setter and you know we would hunt all day for one good point on one wild covey of birds but it was really fun but I you know I finally got to the point where walking 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 all the time you know it just kind of the 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 new wore off of it and so I, I kind of got into duck hunting on my own some buddies and I got into it and um you know, and and uh, kind of like Mallory said, I was always really interested in the storytelling aspect of it. And I was really interested in outdoor magazines. I kept a stack of them there in my room, and I was always reading them. And Wade Bourne was one of the authors that I saw all the time. I always saw Wade on Southern Outdoors, and 
Um, I ended up uh, majoring in print journalism as well and got an internship in New York City at Outdoor Life. And uh, Wade was actually up there visiting at one point with his family, and that's where I met him for the first time. Come to find out, I didn't realize it at the time, but he was from Clarksville, Tennessee, which is not far from where I live in Kentucky. And uh, and so Wade really kind of took me under his wing as an outdoor writer and um, sort of introduced me to the Ducks Unlimited family and made the introductions to uh, Tom Fulgham and the magazine staff and Matt Young. Uh, Matt was executive editor at the time. And so, um, and so, yeah, I started working for DU, I think in 2007 and then, uh, and then I left in, uh, in early 2009 and it was just cause I've always kind of wanted to kind of wanted to be a full-time freelance guy. You know, I really enjoyed working for DU, but definitely, uh, probably wasn't quite the, the office type. And so, um, and so I still really enjoy, uh, doing some freelance articles for them, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of got me to where I am today. And interestingly enough, that's where, um, you know, during my time at Ducks Unlimited, that's where I first started working with folks at Winchester. Um, uh, Jason Gilbertson, who I, I know, uh, Jake is in the office with and, uh, you know, I'm pretty regular contact with Jason. We've hunted a lot of critters, been on several elk hunts together. And, uh, you know, and I got to know Jason through, you know, I would call and, uh, you know, get interviews about, you know, ammunition specifics and things like that and he would put me in touch with some of their you know um pro shooters and things for shotgunning tip stories and stuff like that and so uh you know jason and i i guess um kind of came up through the ranks together in that communication side of the outdoor business and uh you know yeah winchester's always been a great brand it's one that i i shot a lot whenever i was a kid growing up and uh you know still still shoot it a lot today so i was really impressed with the stuff we were shooting <laughs> this weekend for for sure yeah. So. yeah so why don't you talk about that you had chance yesterday to shoot what the 12 gauge well so yesterday and i had uh you know like i say i've i've shot a lot of winchester expert um Probably more than I care to admit, you know. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's a shell I've always just bought off the shelf at Walmart or the sporting goods store, or whatever. You know, whenever I'm duck hunting at home, and uh, you know, and then I would say in more recent years, if you were to ask me my, you know, my go-to steel load, you know, blindside would have been one of those that I that I go to a lot. But um, I, I've I've noticed here in recent years, um, you know, just both personally and uh, you know, and as an outdoor communicator too, it's kind of my job to keep you know a finger on the pulse of things like that. You know, your sub gauge guns have have gotten more popular. You know, honestly, not just with waterfowlers, but but turkey hunters too. You know, I'm a big time turkey hunter, and one of the things, um, you know, there there's a lot of good. Um, non-toxic, you know, shot shell materials um, that are, you know, in some cases heavier than lead and certainly, uh, you know, certainly more dense than steel. And so what you get out of that is you can, you can get a pellet that has the same, you know, uh, uh, the same energy, the same momentum in a much smaller pellet than a much larger steel pellet. And because of that, you can fit more pellets into the shot shell. And, uh, you know, with steel, because it is so much less dense than lead, um, you know, you kind of have to, uh, people have, have learned to compensate for that by going with bigger pellets, you know, and that's how you get your, your downrange killing power. And, you know, if you've shot a lot of steel shot, you know, you know, number four steel can be really good for ducks and the decoys. You start getting, you know, Canada geese flying overhead at 40 yards. It's not always, not always that great. And so you want to, you know, upsize to those bigger pellets. But what the, what the non-toxic stuff allows you to do is get that same energy in a much smaller pellet. Well, the, then the you, bismuth. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the bismuth. Yeah. yeah the, and, and that's why I, 
what I was referring to, you know, specifically. And I mean, there's several non-toxic materials, but we were talking about, you know, we were shooting the bismuth specifically this weekend. And so what that's allowed to do, in addition to, you know, and Jake, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but in addition to the really top shelf, um, you know, components in a lot of the shot shells, you know, and I, I think that's probably one of the big differences, like, you know, the steel shot of today is way more effective than it was, you know, 25 years ago when I first started duck hunting, because you do have better waddings, you have better powders, you have better primers, you know, your your um, your waterproofing processes are just better. And so, you know, even your budget steel loads, you know, because you have all those top shelf components, throw a better pattern. Well, you combine that with with a shop material like bismuth, and then you're able to pack the lethality of, you know, maybe a, a three-inch 20-gauge shell into that little bitty 28-gauge shell. And, you know, yeah, it's still not a 12-gauge, but what we found out, you know, down here, I mean, we were shooting a lot of green-winged teal, um, but we, you know, it's it's northern Louisiana. You shoot a lot of ducks down here. We shot some widgeon. We shot some gadwall and some pintail. And, uh, you know, I would say our average shot this week has been probably 25 yards over the decoys, but we've, you know, we've had some, some longer shots. And, um, you know, I got to pick up that 28-gauge, and I've shot a 28 gauge on the clay range, you know, a little bit, just kind of playing with them here and there. Never really would have considered it as a duck gun, honestly, until this until weekend. Yeah. And um, you know, looking at this bismuth shell that uh, that that Jake brought, you know, the it's a new three inch 28 gauge. You know, the the 28 gauge previously was was just a two and three quarter inch only shell, but it's a it's a new three inch loading. And so that shell has an ounce of number five bismuth. Well. Uh, uh, the the twenty gauge shell. If you look at the you know the payload on the twenty gauge bismuth shell, that's an ounce of number number four bismuth. So it actually has the same payload in the twenty eight gauge, just a just but just a, a smaller shot. And so um, you you probably actually Jake, you probably get a higher pellet count, I guess, in the twenty eight gauge number five than you do the twenty gauge number four. Is that right? I mean, we'd probably have to pour them out, but you you're but my, it's going to be pretty close. Pretty close, yeah, yeah. And it's you know that stuff. It's so comparable to those larger gauges when you get up there you know i was telling you it's not applicable to what we're doing here but um we have a three inch 28 gauge lead load mm-hmm. that's got an ounce and an eighth of seven and a halves in it yeah i mean it's it's a 12 gauge and a 28 gauge and we yeah. took that on a um a dove hunt this year in texas and it was just impressive yeah you know and, yeah. and i thought i mean i i've grown up hunting public land waterfowl slogging in you know standing in poor lines doing all that stuff I was apprehensive, and I honestly thought you guys are going to be apprehensive about that twenty-eight gauge three-inch. But it was like you guys were passing it around. No, I think it I was a line. Right. Yeah, there's <laughs> a line. There's a line to use it. Like, you know? a, yeah, and it was. I wanted, uh, I wanted it first. It was impressive, man. I, I was I was really pleased with its performance, um, and it, it just was a fun gun to shoot. You know. Well, I think that's the takeaway with those sub-gauge guns. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, probably my go-to duck gun day in and out. Like, I'm I'm probably still gonna you know, gravitate to my 12 gauge. But, you know, if you do want a, you know, what, what the 28 gauge offers, particularly with, you know, with a, with a, with a shell like that, like, like the bismuth shell, it's fun. I mean, you pick that, that Satori up, it's super lightweight. It's easy to swing. It's easy to hit with. There's no recoil to it. Um, and, uh, you know, so your follow-up shots are just, I mean, you know, I, I shot a pair of teal with it this morning and it's just, you see the first one fall and you, you move right to the second one. There's no real recovery time. And then too, like if you have, you know, a, a young hunter or a new hunter who's recoiled and like my, my son loves to hunt. Um, but he's, you know, he's a, he's nine years old. He's a small kid and he's pretty, he's pretty recoil sensitive. And, you know, kind of in the past, if you wanted to get a kid like that into duck hunting, you were kind of, uh, 
you were kind of stuck with, um, you know, you can you can give them a, a small gauge gun with with steel shot, and but you know, like the the trade off for that low recoil is it's going to be really ineffective. You know, it's they they're going to be pretty well limited to really close range stuff. You know, fifteen yards, but something like that. Um, I, I know my son could handle that gun, and he's got a gun that he can kill a mallard with at, at thirty yards, and uh, you know, and it's and it's not going to kick him to death, and he's not going to be scared of it. And I mean, that's. That's a huge benefit for getting a new shooter, you know, into into waterfowl hunting. Where you know, honestly, like some of those Magnum shotgun shells can kick you pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting that when I said, you know, there was was there there was no doubt that I wanted. To, I think I oh, raised yeah. my hand first, said, "Yeah, I want to shoot the twenty eight gauge." And it wasn't until the next morning that I realized I was shooting an over under. And I was like, "Well, wait, maybe I should." Yeah, <laughs> you did. You did balk a little bit when because, you realized that. I I don't know that I've. I don't know that I've ever shot an over-under. I mean, I know how to work them and all that type of stuff, but I don't know if I'd ever shot it. So the first few birds that came in, I was kind of fumbling the same way with Mallory did whenever she was trying to shoot it, I think this afternoon or something or this yeah. morning with, yeah. at, the, at the snipe. Uh, the Getting the, the safety right. You know, because yeah, I'm not, I'm not you about the, an over-under. Right, the over-under, I had to where do you switch that. Oh, yeah, get, we, get we, all ran, that. we ran but through it But let there. me just say, it did not, uh, that did not hinder me from connecting with, uh, with a few birds. Yeah, and two, you know, the business stuff is great. And, and the real story behind this 28-gauge, 3-inch stuff is that, you know, we attend a lot of consumer shows. Uh, we, you know, NRA, you know, the DU Expo. I mean, you name them, we go to them. And um, we interact a lot with our end, our end user. And a lot of people asked us for 28-gauge, 3-inch waterfowl stuff. So bismuth wasn't was an obvious choice there. But, you know, we also make it an expert. Um, and, and the reason I mention that is, you know, if you do choose to go out and get a gun in 28-gauge, 3-inch, you, you don't have to, to really go ahead and sticker shock it with the bismuth if you want to try it. Um, you know, we do make it in the expert line as well as um, a lead load too. So um, we, we've shot a lot of bismuth. We shot some expert out of it. You could definitely see the quality, you know, the difference in quality from just from a component standpoint, because bismuth is so much l- more dense than steel. It hit them with authority, but they both work very well. So let me ask you a question. I've seen this and I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's truth to it, but I've heard people say that there's something about the 28 gauge that gives it even, that gives it uh, ballistic properties or patterning properties. And let's say a 20 gauge, is there any truth to that? Or is it just so dependent upon what load you're shooting and things of that nature? I mean, a, a 28 gauge to 28 gauge, I would, I would probably point to the, that would be around choke constriction. And, yeah. Yeah. Your shot string yeah, and things it, like that. And, and to some extent, like a, you know, like a rifle, you, guns like certain things and some guns pattern better with one wad than the other. And it's just, there's a lot of variables that go into that, the answer to that question. Yeah. You'll, if you asked a hundred different people, you probably get 88 different answers. But there's you know nothing I mean? magical necessarily about a 28 gauge that would cause it across the board to pattern better than let's say a 20. Hey, if, if you, it's Dumbo and his feather, man. If you think it's magic, it's magic, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What else do we need to talk about here with any of these, any of these uh, uh, products, the new shells, anything else to talk about? I have a few other questions related to some of the production, just general production of, of shot. I learned some things from riding with you and just starting me asking what I considered um, very naive questions and learned a few things also about some of the wadding and its function within and recoil and so forth and things that I'd never really considered. I want to talk about those after we come back from a break. But anything else about these products, about any new things coming from Winchester that we want to talk about right now? And we're sitting, it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's mid-December, I would say. You know, we, we launched everything here within the last year or so. Um, we're 
days away from SHOT Show at this point. I would just tell everybody to stay tuned. We've got some incredibly cool stuff coming up at SHOT, as well as some mid-year launches next year of some really cool new technologically advanced stuff um, from Winchester. So, you know, I would just say stay tuned and, and hopefully we can get back on at that point and tell you about the cool new stuff that we that we come out with then. Yeah. I will not be attending SHOT Show, so I'll have to catch up. I'll have maybe if you're back on with me, I'll know by hearing it. But if you're back on with Chris Jennings or anybody else, then I'll have to make sure that I listen to that episode, right? We'll let, we'll make sure <laughs> Mallory sends you the link. There you go. Yeah. So I do want to add though to uh, this little tidbit. I was sitting directly to the left of Mike yesterday morning and Will this morning. You know, I, they, you know, uh, I have the ability to edit this out if I don't like the way this is <laughs> <thing> going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was pretty. It was actually pretty funny. Um, I was sitting directly to the left of both of them uh, both mornings, and as soon as they. Uh, picked up the 28 gauge and that first bird came in and they shot and the bird fell on that first shot. They both kind of did a little smirk <laughs> and they turned to the left because they were, they were on the far right and all the rest of us were off to their left and uh, they turned and looked and they just, you knew a little, it almost like a kid on Christmas morning, how excited they were when they finally figured it out. Just so. wanted to be sure everybody saw it. That's, like, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was yeah. like, did you see that? Yeah. Was, was, yeah. They were impressive shots too. The birds were coming at, all these weird angles. So yeah, it was fun to watch them. Shoot. I appreciate the way you describe that. Yeah, Mallory. you can just yeah. keep telling that story. <laughs> it was, That's it was. Y'all both kind of, it was like almost like, huh, did that just really happen? Did I just, yeah. So it was yeah, actually, it was. it was actually pretty cool. It's very good. Thanks for that. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. We'll come back. We've got some more fun stories to talk about. Some of the, how you get to know people and how you banter back and forth with, with folks as you spend a couple of days with them at the duck camp. So uh, stay with the folks. We got some more fun stories coming up after this. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina ProPlan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.
Everybody, welcome back. It's Mike Brazier here. We're down on location in northeast Louisiana. We've been on a Winchester hunt, uh, Winchester camp here uh, with Jake Wallace from Winchester and and uh, Will Brantley. Who are you? How, how do you how do you introduce yourself? <laughs> I forgot about all that. Because you you do some freelance work. Yeah, and all yeah. That. I mean, field free, and stream freelance writer, editor. Yeah, um, field and streams hunting editor, um, editor of Realtree.com, Whitetail's editor for Peterson's Hunting. Who, whoever will pay me to a write a hunting story? A so, whole bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah, good, good. And then Mallory Murphy, our, our social media specialist for Ducks Unlimited, and we wanted to pick up and talk about some of the fun experiences that we've had this week. We've had a couple of hunts, hunted a rice field both days, uh, dramatically different weather conditions both days, uh, dramatically different bird responses. And I mean, it was both days were successful. Uh, yesterday, the first day was, uh, was much more so. And who wants to go first talking about that? Who wants to set that up? Which, which of you? Will, you want to take, take a stab at that? Yeah, you know, if you were to ask me what I would consider the ideal duck day, I mean, I would say uh, post-cold front, high-pressure yeah. morning, <laughs> blue sky, you know, sunshine, 10 or 15 mile an hour northwest wind, exactly what we had this morning. and uh, <laughs> Exactly the opposite of yesterday. E- everything was there. We just we just didn't see that many ducks. Um, you know, those that we did see were, you know, were flying a mile high. You know, yesterday, on the other hand, um, was was warm and pouring down rain. And and honestly, pretty miserable to sit in uh, most of the most of the morning. But um, it's a good thing we had a lot of ducks to to keep us entertained because the shooting was really good. We didn't have to sit there long. We didn't That's have right. to sit there too long. Yeah, and uh, you know it was um, it was heavily a green wing teal shoot, which you know I have had uh, the the when I think back to the to the few really good rainy days that I've had, and you know, and I've I've had some good good duck hunts and kind of some. You know, I don't know, some small days. I mean, kind of some damp, you know, misty days. But yesterday was probably the best hunt that I've ever had in what I would call a pouring down rain. You know what I mean? And it, and I, it does seem like the good days that I have had when it's been rainy, a lot of times it is on some of your ducks that seem to fly. You know, I've had some really good diver hunts yeah, on rainy days. Yeah. Um, and green wings seem to work well on rainy days. And of course, you know, both of them kind of, you know, for the most part, work the decoys pretty low to the water. And I don't know if that has something to do with it or, um, you know, it was, uh, you you mentioned too, it was the first day of the second split. That's right. That probably <laughs> that helped those hurt. ducks that had, had a little time to rest. Yeah. And we were in a really good area. You know, yeah. there, were, there were a lot of birds around. But uh, long and short, I mean, you know, the, the ducks really flew where they flew exceptionally well for the first hour of daylight yesterday, you know, huge knots of teal and, uh, and they were, they were really responsive to a call, really finished well on the decoys. Um, the wind was right for the us. The wind was right. Yeah. We, we, well. we had the wind right in our face. We kind of had to set the decoys this you know, morning. We, yeah. In, or in the, our, this morning. Yeah. yeah we kind of had to, we were in a, you know, we were in a pit blind in a, you know, in a, in a turn row and had water in front of us and mud behind us. they you know, there, there's only so much you can do yeah. when the wind is right in your face. That's kind of where we were stuck. And so we we actually adjusted the decoys a couple times because we were, you know, we were getting a few looks early, but they yeah. just weren't wanting to finish. And I mean, I, I think part of that was they were just having a difficult time finishing in that wind. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, as a duck hunter, it's easy to try to sit out there and get into a duck's head. But sometimes I think, you know, when ducks don't finish over the decoys, I mean, yeah, sometimes they're seeing you or whatever, and you move decoys around or brush in or pick up trash around the blind or whatever. But sometimes I think it's just like they make that circle. It's not real convenient for them to land there. And so they just go land somewhere else, you yeah. know, on the same field. So, but like you say, they're both 
both good hunts. It had been a while since I've been on a really good green wing hunt. That was a good one. I think, what, what did we decide we we did? Like, two, there were five of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20, we all. 26 green wings? Yeah. 25? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, a, we had 26 green wings yeah. and then uh, uh, a real pretty pintail drake and a real yeah. pretty widgeon drake. Yep. And uh, had a had a shoveler and a, and a gap ball. Yep. Yeah. So, the, there were a lot of pintails. And a, bo- the, and a bonus uh, Ross's Ross's goose. goose. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that was um, another one of the guys that was with us, Kyle, he it was one of the first uh, Ross's geese he had ever killed, which which surprised me. But yeah, that's a neat little bird. And uh, so, Jake, have you been hunting here before? Or is this your first time in this location? I've never hunted in Louisiana before. Okay. I, I've done some fishing and obviously down in the Gulf, but, um, you know, hunted a lot in Arkansas. It's the first time I've ever hunted in Louisiana. So, you know, I was of the same opinion when we got up on that morning, it was pouring down rain. I was like, oh, this is either going to be real good or not. Yeah. We were waterlogged and mud ridden by the time we got out there, but it was an, it was an incredible shoot. It just did everything you want, you know what I mean? It was yeah. one of those days that you you hope that is going to turn out. Yeah, today was a bluebird sky. The wind, as you said, wind was in our face. It just it it just wasn't quite what we uh, what we needed it to be, you know. And plus, the birds had been shot at for a day, so that didn't help us either. But you know, some of the other um, you know guys hunting the same area, uh, you know, blinds of you know a mile or so away, they did pretty well today. I, I don't think. Oh, it Anybody yeah. did as well as they did yesterday, but um, but I think some of the other blinds, you know, shot ducks, and so it goes to show you you don't know unless you unless you're out there. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Can't you kill them from the couch. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's see. So one of the things. Uh, you mentioned the. I think you mentioned the mud, right? The mud. Oh the mud gosh. is. Or one of you mentioned the mud. So I, the, Louisiana the, the mud is the muddiest is state in the country, right? <laughs> that, was, so, that was an experience. The, the mud was a story yesterday, but then. Because it, we're we're in the Alluvial Valley, Mississippi Alluvial Valley here in, in Louisiana, not too far from Tinsall National Wildlife Refuge. Well, actually, we drove north quite a ways. We're, where we're staying right now is not far from Tinsall National Wildlife Refuge, but we ended up driving north uh, quite a ways in order to to hunt. But still, it's that that gumbo. I think we were talking with Mallory. We were looking at this on the way back because Mallory farms her family farms in the MAV in the Mississippi Delta over there in Mississippi, and so we were trying to figure out what soils we're we're dealing with here. And it's like I think we decided it was like sharky tunica um so clay so anyways kind of geeking out on soil types there a little bit but um i so, wasn't able to contribute very much <laughs> to that conversation <laughs> but so so yesterday it was muddy you know that stuff kind of gums up but then last night uh kyle was, was talking about oh man whenever whenever that mud starts to dry out a little bit it's it's going to be bad tomorrow it's going to be bad and i've had some dealings with it in the past whenever i was working as a as a technician with uh, dr scott manley in the mississippi delta uh, and I, I remember how frustrating and challenging it can be, but man, I don't remember it being like that. Who wants to describe that? Y'all went in oh, first. We Y'all were went in on the four wheeler yeah, first. Yeah, we were. Each of us were. And that four wheeler uh, will never be the same. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, because there's yeah, there's a little bit less of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were, um, you know, riding side saddle on a on a gear rack. Yeah. On the, on the back of it, and. Um, I guess it's a good thing we don't have an ATV sponsorship, you know, on this thing because they'd be, uh, they'd be yelling yeah. at us. But, um, yeah, but you know, it, it's we're we're riding side saddle and we've got our blind bags and stuff as people do, you know, going to a pit blind like that. And, and Kyle did last night. You know, it, like I say, it was muddy and messy going in yesterday. But Kyle said last night, he said, when the mud starts to dry a little bit, it, it starts getting sticky, and that's when it starts tearing yeah. things up. And um, we were going this morning and. 
Kyle was trying to pull, you know, the side of it up kind of into the end of the grass and stuff along the along the dish just to knock some of that mud off. He tried actually pulling off into one of the flooded fields and just getting it wet, but it was balled up so heavily on the tires that the the four-wheeler didn't have the torque to turn the tires outside of about first gear and and it would not throw that mud it just kept kicking it was almost like a big snowball you know four of them and um we're going down through there in the dark this morning and you can just tell the machine is struggling we finally were like you know maybe we'll get off and walk take some of this weight off of it and uh about that time there was a kind of a loud pop and we left a Left a, I don't know honestly what all we left. I know at least a fender and <laughs> yeah. and some plastic, but I mean you really couldn't tell because it was so. I thought it was all mud. Like we were just riding and I could feel it building up, and I was on the side where we ended up losing that piece of equipment. But um, it kept building up, building up. I was like, I kept hearing like I thought rivets were popping. I was like, oh maybe maybe it's just kicking off. You of thought there. right. I think that's <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what it was. Exactly <laughs> what it was. And then finally, you know, we get going and we just come up this one spot that was absolutely just a mud choke heck hole and we go through it and that the what i'm sitting on just falls away from me and i'm just <laughs> like hey kyle we need to stop for a second man <laughs> but but we made it out there one trip anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was actually asking kyle um i said man like you guys go i mean you got to pressure why i mean that your equipment's going to be destroyed if you don't get that stuff cleaned off you know i said hey, what you know and it's just going to happen again tomorrow like what are you doing he said well i said you know we pressure wash it and just kind of get us through till duck season. And then he said at the end of duck season, they take their machines to, I guess, like an 18-wheeler cleaner, you know, and they pay them to actually clean them. And he said that's how they get them cleaned off. He said he said you'd spend all day cleaning four-wheelers, you know. So um, it, it was a mess. It, it was it was as bad a mud as I think I've been in. So It's very it's very impressive mud. We, uh, Mallory and I were brought in. Uh, cause, yeah, cause the plan was originally for Kyle to come back and get us, but there was no returning Kyle. So we ended up having to get a ride in somewhat with somebody else. And um, we made it there and we look at the four-wheeler and half of it's practically gone and uh, definitely, uh, yeah, quite a, quite a sight. But Hunt was great. Mud was was quite a challenge and, and a story in itself. Uh, one of the other things we want to talk about is uh, the snipe hunting that we did. We were sitting there yesterday. Actually, this story, this story uh, actually goes back a little bit farther than that. And so we're going to ask Mallory to get back on here. She's been taking some videos and photos here, and she's going to get back on. I'm going to turn her volume up here. And so mm-hmm. snipe hunting. So I, I've... I know what snipe are. Of course, I, I grew up with the joke about snipe hunting. Somebody goes and holds a bag and you go off in, at night and you leave them, that kind of stuff. There actually are snipe, Wilson snipe. It's a little shorebird. Uh, one of only two shorebird species here in North America that are huntable, the other being the American woodcock. Uh, they're, they're found quite common. They're, they're quite common in sort of flooded ag fields during this time of the year down in this part of the country. I don't know their full range throughout the, uh, during the non-breeding season but but certainly down in the southeastern u.s i've hunted them before but mallory was previous before this hunt you were in florida and that was the first time that you had ever been exposed to snipe hunting yes um i told mike i made a joke yesterday and said snipe did not exist in my world until (laughs) yesterday so i'd been in florida on a hunt and um obviously the duck hunt was a little slow so we were just bumming around saying they're like our guide said hey why don't we walk through uh, this field over here and see if we can uh, flush up any snipe. And we we're like, okay, sure. Now, what was your reaction when you heard him say snipe hunting? 
Well, well, it was the normal what people usually do. Obviously, I'm a little bit older now and a little bit, a little bit more educated than I was. But when did I was you a small know child. it was? Did you know it was a bird? Did you know it was yes, a legitimate? Thing? I okay. knew it was a legitimate bird. Um, I did. I grew up like you. Oh, snipe hunting, and then once you get older, <laughs> you realize, oh, this is this is a real uh, species. So yeah, but I've never uh, actually hunted it before. Never, never given it the thought of day. And they were like, yeah, let's let's do a little snipe hunting. I was like. All right, sure. Okay, this is this is kind of weird. We're just gonna walk through uh, a semi-flooded like little field uh, with just some tall grass in it and a little bit of shrubs. Um, I'm not very good with Florida types of trees, yeah. but uh, yeah, walking through all that, <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear this weird little shrill, like that, and then there's something just pops up about ten yards in front of you. Boom! Mallory misses. Boom! The girl <laughs> beside me knocks it down, and I'm like this is fun. This is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then I came back and told Mike, I was like, Mike, I shot a snipe. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, ended up getting one after, after I wasted a few shells, but uh, I was like, Mike, I shot a snipe. And, uh, he was like, well, you know, there, there's some, there's some right behind us. Let's go get it. So, but the other thing was they were, you had to leave before they were going to cook them. Yes. So you, although also, you had killed one, you had leaving. not eaten one. Uh, yeah. I had to leave that morning to come here. So, yeah. yeah. So that was part of the motivation also because we were sitting there yesterday. And Mike was like, this is an amazing tasting bird. And I was like, okay, let's try it. So, <laughs> we had to yeah. tell Mike to put his head in the blind when ducks were coming around because he was <laughs> oh, so busy yeah. look, looking for snipes <laughs> to come by. To that, and I think I was looking around. I, I, not, I need to get better being versed in my uh, bird identification on the wing. Yeah. Um, I also uh, just need to give in and get contacts. But I was also like, Mike, is that a snipe? Is that a snipe? He's like, no, that's a kill D. I was like, okay. Is that a snipe? No. Wait. Yes, that's a snipe. And then we figured out where they were going. So. <laughs> yeah, and so they were going over behind us. And so, yes, the 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 me with my head up out of the blind, that was, admittedly, that was towards the end of the duck hunt, right? Yeah, but we got we had to get to the number, Mike. I mean, we were, <laughs> oh, we're so close. We were sitting there watching <laughs> ducks. We're waiting, we're waiting for a duck, so and Mike, Mike's like, is that a snipe? Is that a snipe? Mike's well, sitting there poking his head out of the blind. There's ducks working. He's sitting there trying to turn around and <laughs> see where the sniper going. So. But, but I had the 28 gauge, you know? <laughs> Beautiful gun for green wings and and amazing for snipe. So, uh, yeah. so yes, we eventually got got our um, the last duck, and so then we walk into the field behind us. And what did we get yesterday? Three, three yep, snipe. Three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was so that was fun. So last night we cooked those up, and, and your the what's the verdict on how they taste, Jake? Oh, I, I've hunted snipe in the past. Like I hunt them with pointing dogs. I use Britneys for mine, and they're awesome. They. I hold a little better, but they're a fantastic little critter, man. I mean, they taste good. I, I would do it again. I will. Well, I'm, yeah, have, I haven't, uh, I haven't hunted snipe, but I've, I've hunted a lot of woodcock. Um, you know, we used to shoot a lot of woodcock in Kentucky whenever I was growing up quail hunting. And although we don't see many quail anymore, we do still see a lot of woodcock, and they're a very similar bird. Obviously, um, you know, I think the snipe are probably a little smaller. But yeah, I mean, I, I like, uh, I really like doves. They're one of my favorite wild game, and I think a woodcock tastes just about like a dove. And and those snipe did too. I mean, you uh, sautéed them in some butter. Yeah, little, didn't uh, get too fancy. Yeah, a little steak seasoning, and they were really good. And so yeah, I mean, we went out and hunted them again today a little bit, and uh, and they were fun. You know, it was um, it was it was kind of a combination of uh, you know of kind of trying to walk up birds like mm -hmm. you know like you're walking a fence row trying to yeah. trying to jump quail or, or jump woodcock but then also um one of the things that i noticed about them, one of the things that was kind of neat those birds a lot of them would make kind of a half circle and yeah. sort of try to come back and so if you were if you were patient if you didn't you know if you didn't get a shot at them sometimes you could just kind of squat down or maybe tuck against the brush and a lot of times you get some pass shooting out of it and at that point 
they were pretty sporty. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. with that 28 gauge. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it was, uh, you know, it, the, the shots on them, um, they, they kind of had some acrobatics like doves. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a mix of, of kind of an upland hunt and a dove hunt, except out in the mud and waders. And, uh, and, but it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Like it, uh, we went out with a, with a pocket full of shells and I was just yeah. expecting <laughs> to be gone, you know, 10 minutes. And I think the next thing you know, we spent an hour and I'd, I'd shot up my whole pocket full of shells. And they had, so. and they had picked up the decoys. Yeah, they picked up so. the decoys. <laughs> it worked out, but it was the perfect time to go snipe That's hunting. That's right. So. You guys planned that one very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we came back with four today, I believe, or five. Five. No, it was five. Yeah. Five today. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the one thing I will say, or two things I'll say. So now, for each of you, whenever you go, if you do your HIP certification in Louisiana Ooh. next year, or Mallory, <gasps> you for for uh, HIP I certification can hit yes in, in Louisiana or Florida, you have to check, yes, I hunted snipe last year. Yep. Or, or, or I, I forget exactly how they do those. Uh, yeah, isn't it the snipe if, if rails you're going to and something? Gallinules? Yeah, yeah so. I, I think so. I forget exactly how I can that. Finally, uh, yes. That's right. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, specific to the state that you hunted those right. in, though. So, but you go do that in Mississippi. You know, all the property that, oh, that you have now. access to there. That's right. That's a fantastic little thing. So, uh, the other thing about snipe hunting, um, species identification is really important. It Super take, important. It takes some time. It's easy. It would be easy to mess up. You know, I was. Um, very thankful to have a biologist walking next <laughs> yes. to me. You know, now once you pointed out a few of them, then it, there wasn't much to it. You know, you could really, and, and I think especially with a you know a bright sunshine day where you could yeah. see them, you know, you could really pick out you know the bill on them, yeah. and, and that seemed to be the main difference. But they've got a pretty particular flight pattern too. Once you know what you're looking for, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I don't. If I would have been out there by myself, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to just go out there right. and 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 try it. Um, yeah. So That's right. Mallory tried to use that as an excuse for her missing a couple of times yesterday. She's like, I didn't know exactly what it was. I said, What do you mean? I just told you that's a snipe. It's, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> they they almost fall out of the sky, you know, when they when they're flying. They, they're not. An it's easy also their distinct to sound. Shoot. I'm yeah. I get it by the sound that they make yeah. when they. Yeah. Jump up. So yeah, that's a really good point. Like right. to to begin learning and I, to what they are and how to identify them. Whenever they do flush, they 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 let off that distinctive call. And so if you use that, use that as your initial way to identify right. them. You can be pretty confident, and then you can begin to learn the flight pattern, the um, yeah, like, their wing shape and things. Mm -hmm. Like we'll say, they sort stuff. of bounce when they yeah. when well, they and, fly. And so. if you're patient, they'll usually just sit down. They'll not sit too right. Far they'll, away. they'll go like 35, yeah. 40 yards, and then they'll sit right back. Down, so. so snipe hunting that was fun i appreciate appreciated y'all sort of i wasn't sure how the, what the reaction of the group was going to be whenever i kind of started yeah well, let's do that do that not it was great when it was slow man it was something <laughs> to do you know get out oh, and go for and, a walk uh, mike you will have to tell them to uh take the time to get the the, the thighs the, off the side yeah yeah yeah, yeah i, I didn't are... do that on the the ones that we have yep. today kind of have some things we needed to do to get utilize, in here today utilize yesterday. as much of the birds you can because it's yeah. delicious we pulled the thighs and legs off and fried those up too and so it's not a whole lot of meat on it but it's tasty meat there tasty. So. okay let's see let's move on to one of the other topics uh, jake we were we were had about an hour drive each of the last two mornings and so we uh, we were peppering you with a variety of questions and you would occasionally use some uh, some terms that I had no idea what it was. We were asking about some of the manufacturing facilities for for Winchester and uh, you mentioned at one time something about a shot shot tower. You said this is the only location where we have a have a shot tower and that was relevant to whatever conversation we were having and so I had to follow that up and say, well, what do you mean a shot tower? Tell us. That was fascinating to me. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll get there, but I think <laughs> we have, so to lay it out, we have 
three places we manufacture ammunition. Um, we have our headquarters in East Alton, Illinois, where we manufacture all of our shot shell products, including the components being shot. Um, we have a plant in Oxford, Mississippi, where we do rimfire, centerfire pistol, and centerfire rifle. And then, and then we uh, we operate the Lake City Army Ammunition Plant over in Independence, Missouri. So, those are all of our manufacturing facilities with. Um, you know, in, incredible workforce that helps us produce some great products. Um, but up in East Alton, we have our shot tower, and it's a majority of lead that is used in ammunition products comes in from recycled batteries. Um, so they take batteries and then they, they get the lead ingots from there. I think you call them ingots. And then you take them, melt them down, and you can make them into uh, whether it's cores or lead cores for bullets or, or shot. But we have a shot tower, and it is it's roughly eight stories tall. Um, and what you do is you take the shot and you melt it up top. And the, the best way to form lead shot um, is to drop it through the air. And then the force of gravity and the lead spinning as it comes down forms the most perfect round lead sphere. Um, you drop that into a type of oil that helps cool it. And then when it sinks, it hardens. And then at the bottom, you can work it. So we that's why we manufacture our, our shot shells in East Alton is that there's certain regulatory issues around the manufacturing of lead and dealing with it. So we've had that there for a long time and it's a, it's a great facility, but it's one of those things where old technology is still the best technology. So we make it all there. Everything that has to do from, you know, nines all the way up to, to buckshot. And you were also saying though, that you can control the size. You can, you can try to control the size of the, of the shot being produced by the size of the droplet that's, that's coming right. out, right? So those folks in the shot tower, they, they set up to drop a certain size. So if you're dropping like something for double A's, um, you know, you're trying to hit seven and a half, eight, they set up for that. Um, some of them could be sixes. Some of them could be, you know, a little bit larger or smaller than seven and a halves. but we have a sorting process that we do. Um, that allows us to sort out the exact size that we're looking for um, and then put that into products that we're trying to trying to manufacture at that time. How does that manufacturing process compare to the one for bismuth? And if there are any trade secrets here, don't share them. I don't have to worry about telling you that. But uh, how does generally, how does that compare? Uh, bis- so we actually purchase our bismuth. Okay. Um, there, there, there are people that are better uh, at making that than we are. Um, so we, we purchased the bismuth to be able to put into our products. Do you have, do you know what that looks like? I don't like? have visibility on how that particular okay. material is manufactured. Okay. And I, I think Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the case? I mean, really with, with a lot of shot shell manufacturers and some of the high end non-toxics, I mean, aren't there like a few yes, folks that um, make, you know, some of that, you know, the, the bismuth, the, you know, the steel, steel typically comes in and strip, TSS is manufactured. Strip. Yeah, it'll be like a like a wire. It comes in in a wire form, and then we they they form it. And there's different processes to it. There's also cast steel shot, um, and they're just basically different ways of um, of making a steel shot product. So okay, very interesting. One of the other things that we kind of stumbled stumbled upon in, in our conversation yesterday was uh, we got to talking about the the wads in a certain cartridge and 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 I'm not just saying what I'm about to say because you're here and Winchester is the official ammo of Ducks Unlimited. It is really truth in that probably one of if not the most iconic shot shell that I'm aware of is Winchester Double A. Is that a fair statement? Would you? Oh, I would. Yeah, that red, the red hole is is iconic, especially in in the realm of clay target shooting. Yeah, I grew up uh, at a time where, well, my 
whenever I was just getting into duck hunting, lead was still allowed to be used. And my dad was reloading. And of course, we reloaded for doves as well. And we would use lead for that. And so I was very familiar with the AA uh, hulls because they reloaded so incredibly well. And so talk about just the, the superior quality that goes into the AA shells why that is and the reputation they've earned. Yeah, you know, we were, we were talking about how bismuth is all the, the shot shell technology you can cram into to a hunting round. Um, I would say double A is, is that for us from the clay target and competitive shooting side. It, it just starts out with your components. I mean, when you have, it's like any recipe. When you have the best ingredients, you're going to make the best product. And double A is that for us in, in the target range. And it all starts you know, you only have so much. You've got a tube that you have to deal with, um, and then you've got a base wad, and then building that, you have the propellant and then the the wad with a shot cup, and then you've got the shot itself. Now, the AA has all the great components, a, a better primer, the best primer, um, the best shot. We use 6% anemone shot, um, and typically our competition would use 2 to 4% depending on, on who and, and what you're looking at. Um, but that anemone, in the same way that buffer in bismuth reduces uh, shot deformation, anemone does that in lead. Uh, anemone is an additive that you add to lead, that, which is inherently soft, that hardens it up a little bit um, and allows you to not only have better patterns downrange, but it um, allows you to break targets better. Um, and then within that, we use a special patented wad system in the AA. Uh, it's a double-hinged wad, and um, what that allows you to do and really the hero of any shot shell technology what is going to be the wad because you can do so much with it. It's really the thing that you can tweak to make, whether it's the pedal size, um, whether it's the thickness of them, whether it's the length of them. It really, you can do that. Um, but the AA has a, has a double-hinged wad, which um, reduces the setback force, um, which helps to keep shot rounder. It also eliminates a little bit of felt recoil, um, which when you're trying to shoot, um, like my game, uh, international trap olympic trap uh, you get two shots so it's it allows you to have a little bit better follow-up shot um and those components and in, in particular the wad and double a it's just it's iconic and it's when winning is everything everybody chooses was that was that double hinge wad sort of an innovative uh, development and an innovation associated with double a you know i'm not sure on the timing, but they do run hand in hand um double a came around when it was you know people would buy double a's as factory loaded ammunition with the intent of reloading. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so guilty. we built, guilty yeah, we built sure. double A and we still build double A's to be highly reloadable. There used to be some cost advantages to that, That's which right. have since ceased more or less. Um, but we still make it the same way because the, the plastics we use in that too are just so dependable and sturdy that they can, they can take anything. You know, you, you hear stories of people loading those things 15 or 20 times yes. before they end up splitting. So they're just a quality product the whole way around. How much of the knowledge that you have and that you've shared with us came as a result of the work that you do now versus how much of it did you just have to and or want to learn because you were a competitive shooter? I, so I'm a touch over 30 now. I started competing when I was 15. And at the time, I always wanted to shoot double A's. So, I mean, it's kind of like, it's just at this point part of my life. So but, you knew parts of it before you got to Winchester. And then once you got to Winchester, it, you learned a little bit more of it. I would say I knew... I knew the results. I didn't know the the how part. Yeah. Like I knew double A's work. Now I know why they work and why they're the best. Um, whereas before it was just like, 
I knew that the best shot that or shoot those as they still do. Um, but now I can tell you why that works. It's not only just because of incredible skill um, that our shooters possess, but it's also because of the products that we make. You and know? there's a little bit of a premium price on those, right? Compared to some of the other loads that Winchester offers. Uh, it's like it's like anything we make across all of our end uses. You know, we make super targets, um, yeah. which are also, I would say, on par with, with some of our competitors' premium shells. Yeah. Um, but double A's are, are a step above. Uh, you know, but you can expect more from them. Right. And and so I, I the reason I mentioned that is I found myself purchasing some of y'all shells recently and I did and it was it was partly for nostalgia because I used to purchase double A and I don't do a whole lot of, of shooting, uh practice shooting, clay shooting now. But I bought some of the uh some of the other some of, I don't know what did you super clay, is that what you called them? Super target. Super target. Yep. I bought some of those, but then I also bought some of the some of the double A and the price point was a little bit more. It wasn't outrageous, but but yeah, there's some nostalgia associated with that because that's what I was familiar with back whenever I reloaded. And mm. so it was cool. Anyway, there was a, a neat sort of connection back to some of my childhood and mm. some of the things that I used to do there. So uh, appreciate appreciate indulging me there. Uh, what else did we, other fun stories do we have over the week now I, that we want to want to talk about? There's a one, there's at least one. I don't know if I want to go there. I mean, we had a little debate about the college football playoffs and all that kind of stuff. We don't want to go there, right? Do we? Mallory's got her headset back on. I'm tempted to do it. Do I, do I, do I <laughs> Turn it back up. <laughs> so, no, we don't have to go there. But we had we had a fun. <laughs> I don't, that's right. I don't know if we have silent. enough time no. to go there. <laughs> no. we, but it was a great weekend. Jake, thanks to you for, for having us here. One of the things that, that I know we value in one another in our organizations is our commitment to conservation. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Yeah, you know, I think um, from Winchester's foundation, especially back to like John Olin, you know, we, we and or he created Nilo, which is our, our, our hunting and shooting preserve, to try out things and to try out the technologies at the time to make a better place for wildlife to, to foster and, and create a, a feeling of conservation right outside of a, of one of the largest cities at the time, St. Louis in the country. Um, and so we're, we're very rooted and founded in the conservation and the utilization of our natural resources, you know, for whatever purposes, um, that they are. And, and our conservation partnerships are narrow, but they're very deep. Um, and Ducks Unlimited is one of those relationships. You know, I think we're close over 20 years, close to 25, something like that as a partner. And, and it's really easy to have a relationship like that when you're an organization that has a strong purpose that aligns with one like ours and you're so well-rounded and everything from your conservation message to your media, um, you know, you guys are, are prevalent in print. You guys do a great job at social and you, you even have a presence on TV, you know, with, with DUTV. So um, you guys just have a, a wholesome approach uh, to the area of conservation you know, of waterfowl and wetland habitat. And it's just something we appreciate. And, you know, we don't, we don't put logos on our boxes that aren't ours very often, you know, and that duck head on there is, is displayed uh, proudly. So, you know, it's, it's a partnership that we enjoy having, we're proud of and, and hopefully continue to continue to do. Yeah. In addition to the duck head, um, those are just some beautiful boxes. I mean, man, how can you not walk buy them in a store and not want to pick that up and just marvel at yeah, the our, artwork on them. I mean, those are just some, y'all, y'all have stepped it up for real. Those are some very good looking boxes. Our, our packaging, we've done a whole yeah. new, and, and it's their works of art at this point. Yeah. You know, they're, they're collector's awesome. items, whether you buy expert bismuth, blindside, yep. rifle products, it's, it's pretty cool. 85 years of conservation, DU logo on the front of this yeah. box, the DU logo on the side of the box. 
King Buck on the back of this. It's uh, the Winchester 12-gauge, 3-inch number twos expert. So I don't know if it's King Buck on any of the others I'm looking at right oh, now. Oh, no, that There's one is, uh, we did that specially yep. for you guys for your 85th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, and going back to that, I remember when y'all were working on all that, it was fun collaborating with y'all on all of the marketing materials that and content that y'all produced for our 85th. And that just goes to show uh, an extra step in what Winchester does to uh, help foster uh, this uh, relationship with DU and everything that they do for conservation, how much they they care about our uh, our one of our favorite resources. So. Well, it was it was wonderful to spend some time with you. Uh, thanks for everything that you continue to do for the outdoor industry, for conservation, uh, some of the writing, some of the work that you continue to do for Ducks Unlimited. And, uh, this hopefully this will not be the last time we get together and and uh, enjoy the outdoors. Well, yeah, no, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate y'all inviting me, and uh, thank you all for what Ducks Unlimited does. You know you. I've I've been fortunate to hunt in a lot of places and uh, you know hunt in a lot of different places around the world and nobody else has what we have here in North America and it's uh, you know it's due to a lot of things it's due to our model but it's it's also due to organizations like Ducks Unlimited and uh, and of course Ducks Unlimited wouldn't be able to do what it does without the support of, of partners like Winchester That's so uh, right. yeah. Um, Thank you all, and uh, and thanks for having me. It's it a good time duck hunting down here. Yeah. It was a blast. Absolutely. So thanks to Winchester, the official ammunition of Ducks Unlimited. I'm reading it right here on the box. Jake, thank you. Will, thank you. And I, I just want to sign off saying um, I had a great weekend. It was a great trip, and I'm so glad that you three fellas had the pleasure of sharing the bond with me. So. <laughs> thank you, Mallory. <laughs> That's a great way to sign off. Thanks, y'all. A very special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Will Brantley, Jake Wallace, Mallory Murphy. Thanks for joining us here, folks. We appreciate the work of our, our producer, Chris Isaac, who always does a great job. Uh, also to you, the listener, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your support of Ducks Unlimited, support of the Ducks Unlimited podcast, and most importantly, your support of wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. 
Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. The next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit campuswaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation, united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. 